Welcome in, everybody. It's another episode of the Loomer Roundtable. It's your boy, Henry, here with Karina, as always. And we're joined today by Nikki Tate and Brady Nicola, hailing from Wisconsin. Hello. (laughs) Well, yeah, so we're here today to talk about Valentine by Snail Mail. But it's also kind of the end of 2021 and maybe a good opportunity to talk about some of the other music we've been listening to, maybe a little Spotify wrapped. If there's anything interesting that you guys have, were you guys surprised by what you saw on Wrapped? I feel like I'm always surprised. I'm always like, did I really spend that much time listening to Moon River by Frank Ocean? I don't feel like I did, <laughs> but but I'll take it. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's fitting to go through it at last episode of the year, you know, wrapping up 2021. Um, I had a lot of guilty pleasure things pop up on mine some pale waves that's a great band um some frightened rabbit and some post malone so that's me that's all i have to say <laughs> you guys can kill into yard the only interesting thing for me was um well i well first of all i really like that they added the audio auras this year um <laughs> that was cool yeah that was fun I was yearning and wistful and I that's just my personality now I've adopted it um mine was, was wistful was and chill, chill. And I was it was like, wistful yeah. and chill I think that's all three of us are wistful <laughs> like Brady you and me are all wistful people now I also had wistful wistful and oh happy. wow look at us <laughs> we're just yeah, like a wistful was... bunch we're a wistful mix a wistful wintry mix I was uh, spooky and wistful. Spooky? Which, yeah, you things, got spooky? Things have changed since you last saw me in person. <laughs> wow, that's so um, cool. I was on a year-long Johnny Goth bender, actually. Um, Johnny oh. Goth was all five of my top songs this year. <laughs> um, one of his new singles, uh, if you've been keeping up with him, uh, Die. Apparently, I listened to that 90 times. Um, it, was a, it was a good driving song for me i suppose where i would spend entire commutes with it on repeat and after doing that for a couple weeks uh that was my number one song for my number one artist um pretty standard wrapped otherwise except uh, a notable inclusion was uh number four for me this year most listened artist was uh my chemical romance <laughs> because i finally listened to the black parade turns out it slaps yeah i agree with that had you not listened to the black parade kind of the first time around i uh not in its entirety like i literally i made it to age 25 having only heard welcome to the black parade and teenagers taylor mankle would be just raging if yeah knew. all right nobody tell him <laughs> One of the only things I remember about Taylor Maple personality-wise was like he loved My Chemical Romance. He did, I think, a whole tribute show when they when oh they did God. like their re- whatever I it was. Being it, a little salty because I wanted to do that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, on that album alone this year, they made it to my number four most listened band of the year. 
very cool. Oh yeah. Lady well, Gaga was my top again, but usually I get like Boney Bear in my top because I listened to like for for Emma forever ago, and, yeah. like when I'm going to sleep. So I specifically avoided any Boney Bear this year so that it would not appear on my wrapped. And the funny thing is, is my top song is a cover of Stacks by Noah Cyrus still. So they still made it. That's kind of what I like about Wrapped. Whatever you think your habits are, it'll kind of sometimes show you something else. It exposes you for sure. Like, like, this is not who I thought I was, but I guess it is. No complaints though. Like I, I like, I like being shown a mirror, you know, this is who you are. That's what Wrapped feels like. Yeah, I love like, an algorithm, like recapping everything I've done because I can't remember. So I, I always look forward to wrapped. Yeah, I do too. Cause it's just, it's kind of, it's fun to see like, okay, like this is, this is who I was this year. And it's really fun. So yeah, the top songs always surprise me, but when I, the further I go down the list of like, you know, your top songs playlist, the more I'm like, okay, yeah, this is, I would listen to this. This is a, this playlist slaps for sure. It's got a lot of got a lot of good stuff on there. I think it's really fun. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was gonna say I just think it's really fun seeing numbers tied to your listening habits. Like, it was uh, pretty eye opening having Spotify tell me I listened to Die literally ninety times. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see like a, a minute by minute breakdown, if if they were that granular with it of like. This is the Johnny Goth song you listen to 35 times. This is the one you listen to 50 times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How many days of commuting for me that that was where it was the only thing I listened to? You know, I think you can download your full data set from Spotify. I don't know if you're like a pivot tables kind of person, but Definitely. like I feel like the data is there if you want to look at it. I'm going to need to know how right, to do I that. I find that super interesting. I'd love to look at that. Yeah, I better dig in there then. Well, do I you want to use Last right. FM? Oh, wow. You know, I haven't heard Last FM. I, I haven't heard someone say that name in years. <laughs> yeah, it's it's still up and online. I've checked it out periodically, but um, yeah, I, like, I, I, don't, I don't know if, I don't know how to get on the Spotify um, out, like, algorithm stuff, but Last FM was a, like, a pretty nice tool for that too. I only ever used that to find similar artists like that's what I used it for but it's the so cool of it was not great but yeah <laughs> it would it would it would after a while it would only tell me that my favorite artist was Bonnie Bear and I'm like <laughs> <laughs> I need <laughs> different things it's not <laughs> yeah that's I mean that's not a bad one to have though uh, he's great they're great did you already go through yours Henry did you see um, you know, I didn't have many highlights. I think what was interesting is I did the math and I evidently listened to 25 days of music, which I think is really interesting. Like, oh man, I'm not thinking about all the commuting time or, you know, if I'm out skating or something like that, but it all adds up. Um, so that was kind of weird to see that almost like one month. Of music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kind of weird. I had Whitney as my top artist which is, I just really love Whitney. Mm -hmm. Like Taylor Brown showed me Whitney in 2017 and I was a changed man, clearly. Um, But I'll say I saw them live 
maybe a couple months ago, and they've got a new album coming out that is so radically different in sound. <clears throat> and they basically made us like anyone who went into the show had to lock up their phone and they played like all new stuff. Basically, they played a couple old songs, but it was like all stuff off the new album. And they were like, this isn't even like the final mix. And so they were playing like completely raw stuff. So look for that coming out. I'm like super stoked on that. We might have to do a round table on that. Yeah, lock it in. But perfect segue, Snail Mail was in my top five artists because um, I really love Snail Mail. So you guys are all down to chat about Valentine. I think we can move into that. Yes. All right, let's do it. Well, yes. So this is the second full-length album from Snail Mail, which is a sort of indie rock project from Lindsay Jordan, um, who's a 22-year-old indie guitarist songwriter, basically released this self-recorded solo EP in 2015 that kind of kicked off Snail Mail as we knew it. Um, and she would follow that up in 2016 with another EP, Habit, and then linked up with a couple musicians, Alex Bass or Alex Bass, who played bass. It'd be crazy if his name was Bass, but it's probably Bass. Um, and then drummer Ray Brown, they toured for a bit with Waxahachie and Beach Fossils in 2017, and then signed with Matador Records, headlining their first tour in 2018 and releasing their probably the big breakthrough project of theirs, which was their first full length flush that came out in 2018. I feel like a lot of people are familiar with that record if they're into sort of indie music or honestly, if they were just using Spotify in 2017, because if you listen to indie music, they probably pushed you towards snail mail like it did me. So the album we're talking about today, kind of long awaited. It had been a few years since we had heard from snail mail. Um, and I got the sense from some interviews I read that Lindsay was wanting to write new stuff, but just kind of caught up in the touring and how hectic life was. So it took some time, but ultimately in September this year, they announced the album was coming out. So they shoehorned the release of the album with a few singles, Valentine, Ben Franklin, and Madonna. And then we got the full record a month ago today. Uh, it was November 5th. So that's what we're here to talk about. Before we maybe dive into the record specifically, though, what is your history with Snail Mail? I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head with the whole, like, if you were listening to Spotify in 2017, they push you towards snail mail and indie music. Cause I, I think I just found her lush on Spotify and like, I'm sure it came through KURE as well um, at that time. So we were playing it and spinning it and like loving it when it was, when it was um, first came out. Um, but yeah, just pristine heat wave. Those are the two that like are still on playlists that I have now. Um, and listen to all the time. So she just immediately became like a staple. She's really, they're really talented. Brady, Nikki, any familiarity um, with Samuel? Really light for me. Um, I listened through Lush once or twice back when it was newer and that's about it. Um, for me, the the greater context that snail mail was caught up in at the time was a much bigger wave of indie guitar based singer songwriters. So it actually got kind of lost in the noise for me back then. Um, I'm glad to have had the opportunity to dive in a little deeper with Valentine because I guess if I had a negative opinion, I wouldn't be here. Yeah. I kind of come from the same background with snail mail as Brady. I think 
if I was still in school at KURE when Lush came out, I probably would have um, dove right into it. But, um, you know, um, well, wait, I, I would have been in school. So I guess I just missed it. But um, I think Headlock was the only one that I'd really heard. And I think Brady kind of hit the nail on the head that there was just a lot of, especially like female singer songwriters. And I was really more on like the boy genius um track there like i was wanting to listen more julian baker um phoebe bridgers so snail mail kind of got lost for me so i actually never listened to lush this is my first snail mail album um and i kind of wanted to keep it that way when i was going into this podcast um so that I, had, I wouldn't like compare it to our last work at all um i tend to do that when i'm trying to have context for albums so I usually don't have that context um, for myself. I try to get that background, but kind of glad to see this as its own thing. I think I just looked up Stranger in the Alps by Phoebe Bridgers. Her last album came out in 2017 too. So I think it would have like kind of gotten lost a little bit because she's just skyrocketing. Yeah, I remember hearing, oh gosh, what it wasn't Funeral, but there's there's one song that just kept repeating on playlist I was like who is this um I just got really I've still been obsessed I I love Phoebe Richards <laughs> me too in that time you guys were talking about very accurate I feel like there was just so much good indie and I straight up could not keep up with it all like I'd come into K.O.R.E. and someone's like oh you hear this album and I'm like no I literally who is that what is that? I'm hearing about it for the first time. <laughs> I remember feeling like exhausted and overwhelmed almost because like, time. especially Karina and I like with how much music was coming in for us to filter into the station and yeah. kind of became like, ro- at least for me, it, be- it became a little bit robotic, just listening to something like deciding if I wanted to spin it. And then, um, like I, I never really had time to like dive into anything back then. Um, you did it because it was the pace of it was just like you, yeah. we got dozens of albums every week that we had to go through be like okay is this worth it is this not and yeah I think um music review committee was like so fun but yeah for a while there was overwhelming I just felt like that like pretty much my whole time at KURE I felt like there's so much I want to listen to and get into and like everybody every day is giving you like new recommendations for like what to what to dive into. And I discovered so much new music that I, I still love, but I feel like a lot, a lot got lost in the fray for sure. Like I'm, I'm sure that there's a lot of artists that um, I probably would love that I just never got the chance to dive into because I was, you know, obsessed with some, somebody else or something else at the time. Um, it's interesting how things kind of, yeah, things go, what you, what you pull out of, um, of everything that's presented to you. It's hard to let you let anything really like touch you when you're trying just to get through everything. Yeah. I think the pace of this podcast has been um, really good for like, like more realistic for like an adult real life doing this once a month rather than once a week or twice a week. If you, if you do, you know, tune talk and music review committee, Mm -hmm. Um, this is a lot better because I feel like I'm able to just, take my time with it and like fully dive in like this one was was really cool because I remember listening to Lush 
and loving it at the time and thinking like, oh, she's so great. But I didn't have the, I didn't have the time then to dive in and to go into like her background or like, you know, what was behind the songs or anything like that. And now I like, I'm fully on board. I want to like listen to her first, you know, the EPs and like the, the singles and stuff that I haven't heard of before, like Sticky, never heard of that, didn't know that was a thing. Um, and I'm excited to like learn more about her and um, her other music too, because this was just like, super good. So yeah, I was telling Brady, like, I, I make an album of the year list every year and I didn't expect, you know, going into when we started listening to this for this podcast, um, I didn't expect to like it enough to put it there, but it's the more I listen to it, the more it grows on me. Similar story to you guys, pretty much. Um, I had not really got into snail mail when they, even when Lush came out, kind of maybe heard pristine or heat wave, like Karina mentioned. Um, but then I moved out to Colorado eventually. And in 2019, I think, uh, Jason, good friend of the show, uh, and our friend Caleb, we went and saw Snail Mail, Thundercat, and Mac DeMarco at Red Rocks. Pretty crazy show. And that sounds so sick. Thundercat on that bill. Insane show. Thundercat oh stole that show for sure. Like, Thundercat's so fucking insane. I <laughs> like, can't imagine seeing Snail Mail and Thundercat in the same night. <laughs> yeah all in all it was like a crazy night but I was honestly just like blown away by snail mail like I kind of went there maybe mostly for Thundercat and a little bit for Mac oh snail mail's on there too dope all three bands are good but I left that show being like oh snail mail is the best like snail mail is like some of the best music out there so that drive home I put on Lush and I realized it's kind of like a perfect album every single minute on it's good cover to cover um so that's really when i got into snail mail and the problem then was nothing it was like radio silence forever no social media updates nothing going on so i was pretty stoked when this album was announced and then something that i think i fell into with this album is constantly thinking about lush and how it advanced on that or how it wasn't that so nikki i think you did the right thing by keeping them separate for now but I would say definitely check out Lush when you get a chance to digest Valentine because I think like Lush is primo. And it's I think it'll age really well. Like in 20 years, going back to an album like Lush and Valentine, I think it'll sound very of the era. So anyways, it's kind of what I got. That's my history. Maybe we can dive into sort of what we thought specifically about this album. Did you hear any of the singles? Did that pepper your expectations for the rest of the album? That's kind of what happened with me, but what did you guys think? No, this was my first literally ever, like I meant to listen to Snail Mail. Like she, like Heatwave had appeared on playlist for me, but this was the first time. Um, so when I, I was driving to work and usually when I drive to work, I'm not in a good mood. I don't want to be there. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I put this on and I was, I was, I was blown away by Valentine. It was not what I expected to hear out the gate. Um, and kind of the first thought that I wanted to make sure I jotted down was this sounds like an album that I would put on in high school or middle school and like have it on repeat. Um, my family used to take a lot of trips down to Des Moines for like school clothes shopping. And I just remember having like my little 
CD player that had um, anti-shock um, on it. So old, but um, like I'd always carry that with me on trips, like stare wistfully <laughs> out the window. Um, I would 100% put this album on back then. Like it just made me very nostalgic for that, even though that wasn't an album that I had on at that time. What qualities about this album kind of brought you back to that time? Yeah, I've been trying to nail that down, but I think probably the probably the lyricism. Um, on first listen, I didn't quite get the obs- like themes of obsession that she was talking about. Um, I'm not, I'm not like really good at picking up lyrics when I listen to an album. Um, but I guess like sonically, um, this this sounds really. I, I I wish I could quantify this better, but it just it, it just felt warm. It had that it had that vibe. I don't know. Like um, it just it it did remind me, I guess, of other artists I listened to back then for like out of comfort. Um, I I, I really wish I could describe that better. Sorry. No, I think that's valid. Sometimes you can't really put words to it. Mm-hmm. So I feel you on that. I, uh, so I only listened to Valentine ahead of the album release as like the single. Um, I skipped the other two. Uh, and it stood out to me, of course. I mean, why wouldn't it? Just the explosion of the chorus um, yelling out, um, oh God, what does she say? Why would you try to erase me? Something to that effect. Um, why'd you want to erase me? Um, and I thought that's fun. It's anthemic. It, you're throwing your fist out there, but I actually almost bounced off of the album before it even released because of this, because I was like, this is either going to be a good opener or a good closer. And I was immediately afraid, like, well, this is the part of the album that has teeth. Okay. Pass. So I'm glad I was given an excuse to actually give it an honest chance because I think uh, some of the, the lesser listened to stuff with under three and a half million Spotify plays is probably the, uh, the high points of it for me. Yeah. She goes in real hard in the beginning and some, some albums you're like, okay, that's it. There's just the singles and then nothing else is really worth listening to. But I think Nikki with you're trying to describe like, how it felt nostalgic. I was thinking of something that I read earlier that I, I thought was from an interview or something, but it's just from like the Wikipedia on her. Um, her band influences include Avril Lavigne, My Bloody Valentine, Sonic Youth, Elliot Smith, Liz Fair, Cat Power, The Cranberries, Pavement, The Velvet Underground, like all of these bands that like were releasing music at that time. Like it's, it's very nostalgic because I think she's like pulling a lot of references and like that, I don't know, she's trying to take like a modern take on like music from that era so I don't know I think that that may be because it's hard to describe but you might have something there I did write down like somebody else or different song that most most probably not all the songs but most of them that reminded me of when I was listening to them so yeah yeah, that that might be it and it's such a wide range of artists that you just listed it's like everything but yeah what was your question, Henry? <laughs> uh, just I think that was kind of the first impressions question. I think right off the bat, 
she's she's putting a lot in there like a lot of emotion a lot of um herself a lot of like very brutal honesty so it's like it's a little jarring at first when I'm like reading the lyrics and listening to it um but I don't know it was really fun to dig into for sure and just sonically a lot of bangers I really like Valentine and Ben Franklin bangers um but yeah the more you dig into it the more you're like there's a story here and it's it's definitely worth like reading Madonna too super good and Nikki texted me saying that Forever Sailing was like major Dido vibes or yeah. did Dido, Dido yeah White Flag by Dido one of my faves by her very reminiscent like same sort of sentiment but I think there's like maybe we can dig in more into this later, but there's like a line between like devotion and obsession that I think Dido's like white flag is a little bit more like devotion and snail mail. A lot of, if not every song on this album is like kind of, she's exploring like her ob- obsessive tendencies in love, um, which is really interesting, but yeah, right off the bat, really, really loved it immediately. And um yeah, was excited to like dig more into it. You know, I might have completely missed a lot of the obsession stuff. Like Nikki, I think you said you were maybe not the greatest at lyrics, probably north of me, because I that might have gone over my head a little, <laughs> to be honest. I'm excited um, to get into it then. There's yeah. a lot. I guess she tweeted, or, I don't know, I would, I would look this up on Genius because I have trouble. And um, she tweeted, I guess, like the best way to listen to the album is, she's joking, but like you need an oil lit lamp and you need to be in a dark room. You need to have the lyrics like right in front of you and just read them while you listen to, while you listen to the album so that the last line of the song just punches you in the gut. And, wow. Um, you know, I... I tried to do that, but like I had just gotten in the showers out of the shower. So I was just like doing that thing where you just sit in the towel for a while before you actually get ready. And I, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the experience. only reason. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think saying that the lyrics will like punch you in the gut is hundred percent accurate. Cause she's, I feel like a more accurate thing than rather than saying like writing from the heart, that seems like too soft a turn of phrase for her lyrics. Like, it's like, she's writing from the gut. It's like more visceral than that or something. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know if you guys have seen the Valentine music video, but it's insane. And there's a lot of like, I don't know. I think that she sort of encapsulates like how um, the, the visceral emotions she's encapsulating that song with the music video too, because it's super violent um, and good. Okay, so maybe now is a good time to transition into talking about some specific songs. Um, we've been talking about lyrics and some some of the themes. Karina, you were just saying the music video, very violent. It's like a yeah. Saw film, evidently. I'm almost scared to watch it. It's too spooky for me. Um, <laughs> but let's talk about some standout tracks. We could maybe start with Forever Sailing, which is something we talked about a little bit already um, in reference to Ditto. Dido. Um, Dido. I don't Dido. know how you're supposed to say it. Let us know. Send us an email. Pretty sure it's Dido. Dido. But now I'm like, where did I hear that myself? I've been a fan for a while. And if that's 
not the way to pronounce it. I'll be a little shattered, but tell me. <laughs> I thought it was Dido, and then Jason always said Ditto, and I was like, I don't know, man. I don't know what it is. Well, it could be like how you say always, you know. <laughs> yeah, but is it always or always? Yeah. What is it? They were supposed to be always, but somebody else on their label, I guess, had that name, so they had to do two V's instead of a W. Naturally. Yeah. If someone has your name, just spell your name wrong. Chiverges. I would wonder if um, <laughs> Havaudi or how Howdy, whatever you know, the band that's yeah, two V's yeah. instead of a W. I wonder if that was the same sort of story there. The movie, the Vitch. <laughs> I, you know, I wonder if that stuff messes up like the SEO, like when you're a band trying to like yeah. maximize your like outreach, and you like pick a bad name to Google. That's got to happen. For sure. I think it definitely does hurt you in some instances. Yeah. But also I mean, just if someone more famous than you has your same name, you know, and that's, you just didn't pick a band name. You just did like your name that can be, that can hurt you too. So I don't know. It's a delicate balance. Like what, what you want to call yourself. I'm almost surprised snail mail wasn't taken. When I found out there's a band named Snail Mail and it was like a new band, I was like, how did no one take that? Yeah. Anyways. But any standout tracks beyond Forever Sailing? Anything else that kind of captured that maybe obsession vibe that you were getting from other songs or um, anything else that's to that? That's like, I would say that's a theme throughout um, the entire album. Like that was something I wanted to talk about in terms of like, the whole thing um because I think she touches on it at least once in every song uh which is it's just like super interesting that's I don't know that was like a whole theme I want to talk about for for tracks though I think my favorites were Ben Franklin Ben Ben Franklin um no lyrics in particular just a banger and then Madonna the whole like we're not really talking now line kills me that's just like knife to the gut every time. Like that's so sad, that acknowledgement of like, you just no longer speak to this person that used to mean like so much to you. Just we're not really talking now. Like it's so simple, but that, that that's probably, those are my two faves. Yeah, Forever was probably my favorite on the album. Um, next in line, I think would be Ben Franklin. Um, similar reason to Karina. Uh, not for any lyrics in particular, but that that bass drive just really hits. Um, so good. I actually, in albums like this, I tend to think like the quiet, just me and my acoustic guitar songs are the easy skips. Historically, for me, that's how I look at them. But I actually thought C et al. was a really strong song. I think that's one of my top ones as well. Yeah. I, Brady, that's like, you took the thought right out of my head. A lot of times on albums like this, it kind of breaks down to that acoustic point. And I'm like, eh, let me get back to the, the meat and potatoes of it. But see, it all definitely stood out to me. Um, and it actually gave me, there's kind of a guitar part, maybe midway through the song or towards the end that gave me Coconut Records vibes. If anyone remembers them, Jason Schwartzman. Um, but yeah, see, it all was... I don't know. There's something about acoustic songs. You know, people really can like lose their marbles over any given acoustic song. And it's always hard to know like what the standout ones are. 
But I think even just in the context of this record, that came at a good time. Like as I was listening through to it, when it got to that, okay, let's break it down and get acoustic moment. It felt a little more normal than, ah, here's the acoustic track. Agreed. Like, I guess, yeah, the context they fill, they often end up feeling like filler, regardless of what they are upon a a critical listen. Like when you get to that point, it usually feels like it, but I think you're right that it, it comes at a good time. Yeah. I would say another song I liked was Headlock, and that's maybe because it reminded me the most of Lush. And as I mentioned, I really love Lush. And the first two tracks being the singles, I had heard those when they came out. And so I was like, oh, is this kind of going to be the whole record? Um, Which is always the mystery with singles, if it's going to be like, we already talked about it in this podcast. But as I started the album and heard Headlock, I was like, oh, yes, there's like a throwback for all the Lush stands um and i think there's a line in that that i really liked like karina you were mentioning like you know we don't talk now and i think what's really great about her lyrics is she'll be really deliberate about like a one word in there in the sentence or a line or a phrase that will kind of like really hit um and so there's a line in headlock drag me with you to nirvana baby take me all the way and i just really like the verb drag because when I think about Nirvana, it, you know, it's like this enlightened place that you can only really get to through like so much introspection and ego death or whatever it is. And just this idea that, I don't know, drag me to Nirvana. There's kind of some contrast between what Nirvana is as a noun and what drag is as a verb. So just another example, I think from the record of really stellar single lines She's kind of always been that way. I feel like her lyrics always kind of stood out. I had a few as well. Um, Brady, you mentioned the bass line in Ben Franklin. And um, I totally agree. Like it, that song was kind of cool for me because like, not only is it a banger as everyone else has said, but it's one of those songs where like, despite it being it's not it doesn't go as hard as valentine but it's still got some like really driving instrumentals and in that respect i think the baseline really carries a song and it remind in that way it reminded me of how the bass in dreams by fleetwood mac kind of carries that like that's not necessarily a song that tempo wise you'd expect to like dance to at a bar but um the baseline brings that aspect out of it. Um, so I, I thought Ben Franklin kind of had that to it. Um, I don't know if it was one of my favorites. I, I Like it was a standout. All of the songs were kind of my favorite, but um, probably the most standouts for me would be Forever Sailing because of Dido. Ditto. <laughs> um, and then Automate really kind of soul crushed me so that the more I listened to it um that song hurts (laughs) um like I broke down she was like I could die if I had the guts and I think that's in reference to some of her earlier lines where she's talking about like she'll meet this person in Nirvana she'll be with this person after death but not right now um and automate just 
I, I think the title really works for it because the song just sounds so like mechanical to me. Like snail mail is kind of Lindsay Jordan is going through the motions of trying to recover and she's at this party trying to force herself maybe to move on, but it's so automated and drinking helps make it that mechanic, like that mechanical for her. Um, so yeah, I, I would say like those few tracks were the really big standout ones for me. Oh, and Madonna. I love Madonna. Um, I think the drinking stuff comes up in headlock as well. Like there's a line yeah. about like I drink to taste your mouth or something like that. So I wonder if who she's talking about also drink a lot of alcohol or something. Yeah, I think um, like sobriety is something that she's kind of is like one of the underlying themes of, of the album. She admits to having gone to rehab like late 2020. And she there's I think there's a line I'm feeling so small post rehab is on Ben Franklin, I believe. And so she's like, she, and then she had interviews where she, um, they asked her, you know, like, what was that thought process of like being open about that and putting that on the album? And um, I, yeah, I think that she, she has a lot of lines that sort of reference that and drinking and being a coping mechanism. And um, I don't know, I kind of felt like the whole record kind of reads like a book. It's like a redemption story is how I was seeing it. Um, in terms of the way it moves from like these all-encompassing obsessive loves that are like decimating her, leading her down this really dark path of like self-destructive behavior. And then um, sort of coming through that the other side, coming to terms with like these tendencies she has for brutal honesty and loving like so hard, but that that doesn't have to be a bad thing um, it's like, it's a special quality to have in a person, like to be able to feel so intensely for another person or just in general, but you also have to like protect yourself at the same time and realize that, um, like love doesn't have to be so, um, I think she said in an interview, this is a, okay, this is a direct quote. Love doesn't have to be so life or death to be beautiful and evoke strong emotions. And I think that's a, that was like, something that she learned um, maybe in writing this album, maybe she wanted to express that in um, like her recovery journey, um, something that she she learned going through this. But I forget where I was going with that. Oh, um, also, she also talked about how the album kind of like the flow of it is like, the first half is like more of like the party half. And then the second half is sort of like the morning after more sobering songs I think that happens after Madonna like the transition between Madonna and Say It Al that song um is really stark and so that fits with that description as well um that like maybe there's at first some like regrets or bitterness over past behavior but in acknowledging your mistakes and having like these sobering realizations, there's a lot of truths that are un that are uncovered um, and can ultimately help with like your recovery and, and growth as a person. So that's kind of how I felt like the redemption arc went on the album. That's interesting to hear because I think we were talking earlier, Brady, about when Seattle comes into the album 
and I guess I wasn't even thinking about it the way you just said it, Karina, but it definitely feels like that part of the album has started like that day after or whatever. I like that. I actually have a note about that for Mia that like, I, I think I said like the finality of waking up alone the the day after a breakup. Um, and the song like sounds like being alone on Christmas Eve in a movie. I, I felt like she wanted to leave that song for last to like have that sort of finality. Like you said, Karina, like I, I think she's kind of going through like the anger and bitterness at first, but she wants like listeners to leave with that feeling of finality and just like, okay, like what's, what's next? Where do I go from here? Um, I kind of wrote down that like Mia is the bag fries of the album because it's um, like, you know, when you're eating something and you want to like eat the very best part last, you remember it. That's kind of what I got from Mia was like that. That's kind of a poor way to put it, but that's kind of like the sense that she wants you to leave this album with. Um, I, I think you put that really well, Karina is basically what I'm saying. Thanks. Yeah, I, I agree. I think on Glory, it's she's more exploring like her anger and she's like says one of the lines she repeats like you owe me. And I think it, she's kind of exploring like her anger and bitterness over like having loved someone so intensely and ultimately feeling like it was not returned equally. Like it's sort of like a lopsided love, I think. And um, she like wants she's wants more for herself. She wants more. And Mia feels like a goodbye. It feels like a last like homage to that, to that person, to that relationship, but she's like done with it and she's ready to move on. So I think this album probably was a big part of her processing this breakup and like being able to move on. Um, the Christmas being alone on Christmas Eve made me think of that movie happiest season because another thing that she mentions at some point is um, in like the first two songs well in Valentine she says why did you have to erase me that's like the big line right and then the music video it's about her being like the secret lover of this like woman who's an aristocrat or whatever, but she has to like be with a man because it's set in like, um, I don't know, Victorian times or something. And there's a lot of lines, I think, where she's talking about feeling like a lover has erased her or forgotten her, um, like on Ben Franklin, don't act like you never met me, things like that. And it's referencing like queer love historically being hidden. And that's a big part of um, her feeling like it's a lopsided love, but also and so that makes me think of happiest season because that movie with Kristen Stewart is like she goes home with her girlfriend for the holidays and her family doesn't know that her girlfriend is a lesbian and she's like okay I'm just your friend then and it's like really heartbreaking I love that movie by the way it's really good um I have so many opinions on that movie I love that movie and yeah (laughs) I won't won't go into it I I could but yeah I I have a lot of opinions on the ending (laughs) We need a whole separate podcast for like movie talk, like movies (laughs) and one for books and like, yeah, all these different media outlets. Um, Yeah, I could, I could go on, but I won't, I don't know. You guys, you guys want to jump in with anything else? 
Not in particular, I guess, about the the conversation that just happened here. I guess something that maybe I should have uh, thrown out there a bit earlier, bigger picture about this album start to finish. I think for me, one of its greatest strengths is its sonic diversity. Um, It actually travels through quite a few different sounds. And in this sort of landscape that snail mail occupies the the indie singer songwriter with a guitar type music um i think a lot of people forget to make dynamic music and that didn't happen here which i guess to actually tie this to conversations we're having since we're getting into like lyrics and the meaning behind the songs and the feelings that they evoke for me at least i don't think i can usually very effectively even pay attention to lyrics if i can't get into the music itself um i'm very much a a sound first and meeting second listener um and so i guess i really appreciated seeing the care taken to not only the words but how they're presented yeah you and i were talking like when we're on the subject of lyrics um you and i were talking about how we really appreciated the honesty that she presents in her lyrics. Um, like, I, I think you had said, um, Brady, that she doesn't like to hide behind metaphors and she likes to say things like to the point. Um, and it, there was somewhere in an inner, like, or no, no, not in the specific interview, just the fact that in interviews, she explains where she was and where her lyrics were coming from for every track it's she's not hiding anything and like she's not out here on genius like breaking every line down or anything but she's got some comment about where her head was for everything and I I really appreciate that in a songwriter that she's just so open with her lyrics um it makes me feel like I actually got to like meet a little bit of a chunk of Lindsay in this album too, like with her being so vulnerable. Yeah. I think sometimes people get a little lost in comparison and it can, I guess, uh, what's the word obfuscate the, the lyrics and the underlying uh, hurt that they're trying to convey. And a lot of time that's the point, but I guess I thought her bluntness was refreshing. It feels like, I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce this word right, but like auteur, which is like filmmakers who control every part of the film. So like think about like a Wes Anderson type movie. It's not just like a regular director with regular actors. It's like very focused product at the end. And that's like an auteur film where like it's one vision. This record feels like a very auteur work of art, very one vision, like knowing that she's behind the sonic arrangements, the writing of the lyrics, the themes of the album. You know, I'm sure she ideated the music video. Um, what I really like is that it all feels like you get so deep with her and who she is because she's so raw and she gives you so much. Like, because she's involved in not just like the lyrics, not just the singing, but like basically every part of it. And then every part of it is so open and raw. Um, I had kind of a similar thought, Nikki, that it kind of feels like I know more about Lindsay than she knows about me. So it's like a weird parasocial relationship. <laughs> but I guess that's probably true for any album that talks about feelings like this. 
I guess every listening experience to music is a one-way relationship, but anyway. Yeah, no, it definitely, it feels like a gift. Like she feels like she's, she's giving you a gift for like what she's expressing in, in her songs. And I think she's a very like literary person. Um, so that a lot of her inspiration comes from books. And I think you can tell just the way that she writes her songs. Um, and I, I definitely appreciate that. It makes me want to like, whenever I um, see literary references or things like that, even if I don't understand them, which often I don't understand them, it's like a, an added um, bonus. You can kind of go and look up like book recommendations, like from a friend, you know, type, type of feeling. Um, but yeah, the whole album feels like a gift with, with how open she is and, and honest with, with herself and us about about everything we're running a little long so i'm going to roll some of these final questions kind of into one and then just kind of take them answer them as you will but you know how would you kind of describe this music would you recommend it do you have any other final thoughts or comments about snail mail i would definitely recommend it i feel like it's an album that we all kind of we all talked about snail mail being a band we were aware of but didn't get too deep into and I feel like that's the perfect kind of artist that you need a recommendation for, like someone else, like Johnny Goth, which Brady mentioned. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I didn't like wander into Johnny Goth. Somebody was like, yo, check this out. And I feel it like snail Nikki. mail. <laughs> it was Nikki. Nikki it was, Nikki it was so John funny. Harlow. <laughs> yes, it oh, was Harlow. John Harlow. John yeah. Harlow told Nikki and then Nikki told me. And that's how I got into Johnny Goth. Love him. Yeah. And, you know, like, I feel like snail mail might be one of those similar situations. Like a lot of people be familiar with a track or the name of the band, whatever it is, but maybe just need that push to like get into it. And I would definitely say it's worth checking out. So here's that push. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, and actually to the point of uh, Johnny Goth specifically, even within that context of someone who getting a recommendation uh, is probably going to be useful to get you to actually give them an honest chance. Um, I had Johnny Goth recommended to me like four or five times before I actually got into him. And the time that I actually managed to stick with it was when he released his most recent album, The Great Awakening. And very similar situation, like Snail Mail is someone I was well aware of, but not very into um, on first listen like I didn't have any uh, particular dislike for Lush, but I didn't really stick with it. And I think Valentine is a really strong album with a lot to dig into and a, a lot to really sink your teeth into, I guess. Um, I guess to uh, draw a line between these two things, Valentine is my The Great Awakening for Snail Mail. I think that's a really good way to put that, Brady. Um, yeah, I... I think I was going to let snail mail kind of fall through the cracks until this album. So I, I really appreciate, you know, the time to dive into it. And for anyone else that's kind of had snail mail fall through the cracks, like me, um, I would, I would definitely recommend it. It kind of feels like a really good gift for somebody is one that they wouldn't buy for themselves. Um, but one that they would want all the same. Um, that's, how I would kind of summarize this. Um, if I had to pick somebody, like to, if I heard somebody liked 
um, a specific artist, you know, if, if they liked Arlo Parks, that was kind of the person that I connected this album with because Arlo Parks has the same honesty in her lyrics, I think, and um, kind of the same themes. So maybe if you're listening to Arlo Parks, you're already going through a breakup and you need a breakup album to listen to. This is another really good one to hop in on to. <laughs> um, and I, I did have a final thought, I guess, on the, the title track Valentine that I forgot to mention. And since we've been talking about My Chemical Romance, I felt like it was sort of relevant. Um, I was getting the Ghost of You vibes from it, um, just in the song construction. And I think that kind of immediately latched me to the album. Um, because I, I, this, this sounds like a weird comparison, so I want to explain. But um, Valentine kind of goes from like really slow to driving and then it kind of pulls you back in and the ghost of you definitely does that too um so i don't know that that, that was kind of where i compared the two shout out ghost of you it's my favorite ncr song yeah it's i don't know if it's my favorite but it's it's one of my tops for sure and that music video i know yeah i i still kind of cry sometimes yeah. that one got me when i was in middle school really bad I remember when this album came out, like another artist that had just put out music was Soccer Mommy. And so these two got kind of tied together for me um, in terms of that, because whenever we were talking about like Lush and Snail Mail, we would also be talking about Soccer Mommy and her her album. Um, also, I would throw out like Adrian Lenker, Big Thief as well. Um, and then I definitely agree with Arlo Parks with like very um, narrative story storytelling like writing vibes writing style and um brutal honesty for sure so those would all be good like people to listen to if you liked if you like snail mail um i don't know i think this is a really important album for a lot of reasons the the thing that i just like fell down the rabbit hole on was the um her her exploration of like the way that she is in relationships like who she is in relationships and her like downfall in in that and exploring that and how it it may have led to like some of her self-destructive behaviors and then I don't know in in exploring that in these songs I feel like she she helped herself in into sort of a recovery and I don't know if that was like before she started writing and that was like the plan all along or if the songs helped her in that journey but just a really beautiful like line to sort of follow and if you go go back and like look at the lyrics from you know song one to the last song um there's a very clear like storyline there and a very clear like redemption arc like I was talking about before and it feels like um she starts out uh valentine very like violent romance vibes from you know, like a romeo and juliet tra- level tragedy type vibes to um just like a softer more compassionate um view of yourself in the end and like self-compassion and forgiving yourself and like learning what you need and in in life and I don't know it's just a really it's a beautiful album and I think it's important to like self-reflect and learn about yourself and I think that she did that and this album is a great um like homage to herself as well as like these relationships that she's talking about and that's it. Do we have any other final thoughts we want to say? Um, I just had one note here that I didn't mention earlier that I think is important for the podcast. Um, if anyone's aware of The Sims, 
which is like a PC game where you like control people, build houses, that kind of stuff. Um, they've got a fake language in that game called Simlish. And for The Sims 4, they had artists record versions of real songs, not in English, but in Simlish. And Snail Mail did a version of Pristine, which is, you know, one of her earlier bangers in Simlish. And I highly recommend listening to it because like, I don't know Simlish, but I feel like I, you know, you know a song so well that you hear it in Simlish and it's like suddenly you can speak Simlish. Yeah. So I'm sure there are many other bands that recorded for The Sims, but Snail Mail just doing that, I think is hilarious. That is, that's super cool. I didn't know if she did that. Yeah. And for <laughs> listeners at home, if you've never heard Simlish, it's like nonsense. It's like it's gibberish. Like, yeah. It's yeah. Like r- Razu Dazu. That's so funny. I'll have to go listen to that. Just if you're, I don't know, that's got like, when you guys were in middle school, did you listen to just like parody songs and like remixes? Like, were you in that, did you ever get into that phase where you just weren't listening to real music? A hundred percent. And that was when like parody movies were a huge thing too. <laughs> yeah. Scary movie one through four. <laughs> <laughs> what was the one? There was one about Twilight. I can't think. Yeah. I don't know the name of it, but that, yeah, that, that like genre movies blew up at that time (laughs) movie podcast later yeah (laughs) yeah well cool thank you all thank you for listening to it real hard and then thinking about it real hard and then talking about it for about an hour yeah thank you for having us it's always really nice to join the podcast so um yeah just love an opportunity to dive into an album and talk about it um you talk about nostalgia I mean this just feels like tune talk again so it's just nice to be in a group and I don't think Brady and I have too many outlets up here to talk about music so this is always really nice oh yeah it's true come on anytime yeah this is super fun mm-hmm. yeah really appreciate it that makes me so happy to hear <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I'm so glad you guys are doing this we were just talking the other day like it's just really cool that I mean like KURE kind of influenced our lives so much that this is still such a big part of all of us. And Karina and Henry, I think it's so awesome that you've continued that independently. It's all Karina. She is the spirit of this. The spirit of KURE burns alive. (laughs) (laughs) Burn strong with this one. I love them. And dinner. February.